Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 Anajar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Nothing, because I won't watch it. Uh, I, I could care less. You know, I'm not, I'm, yes, I, I, I love it, man. Yeah, yeah, pro days to me. I'll give, I'll give you some evidence to justify a rant about pro days, okay? Okay. Jamarcus Russell, according to our Todd, Todd, Todd McShay, my good friend Todd, had the best pro day ever, right? <laughs> Peyton Manning may have had the worst pro day ever. Bouncing passes, wobbly balls, GMs rolling her eyes. If it was Peyton Jones, not Peyton Manning, it'd be a third-round pick. I've heard all this garbage and nonsense for 43 years now. So I learned after all that to say, really, pro days? That is Mel Kuyper. And you know what? I kind of agree with him. I agree with uh, Mel there. I think uh, the pro days are a little overblown. They're manufactured. I think you said that too, Austin, right? I mean, these guys are set up for such success. Mm-hmm. You're not really putting them in a in a tough situation. The combine feels a little bit different in some of these measurables just because of the pressure of it all. Yeah, the combine's different because you're going on like five hours of sleep a night. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so you're, you're not 100%. Like any guy that goes on that field in Indianapolis – they do not feel 100%. I don't care how much, you know, recovery stuff you've done. I don't care how much stretching and yoga and all that good stuff you've done, how much foam rolling. You are not 100% because mentally you're just exhausted. And that's what teams want to see. They, they Teams want to see you behind the eight ball, under pressure, and see how you perform um, with that. Some guys run four threes and some guys run four eight fours like I did, which is a little bit of a disappointment to me. But it is what it is. From the pro day, like this, it's all they have this year. So you do what you have to do. Now pro days, and I'm, I'm not going to snitch on anybody, but I have it on good authority. There might be a couple universities out there when they run their 40-yard dashes, they actually run it downhill a little bit, and the uh, and then it makes <laughs> I'm not even lying, and that gives them faster time. They have that in really good authority um, from a, a few high-profile players, let's just say, from a few high-profile college football grant, uh, you know, programs. Now maybe they changed it. But all I know is back in 2010, there was a couple universities, not going to say their names, but when they ran the 40-yard dash, it was done in a, in, a, in, a, in a place where it seemed to be a little downhill uh, to the player's advantage. At 40 times, they're exciting, right? Like, I'm seeing over Twitter, go get the guy from Purdue. You know, these guys running 4-2s, 4-3s, go get this guy, go get this guy. Like, we've been over this before. I think we talked about it yesterday a little bit. There's football speed and there's track speed. Now, if Tyree Kill runs a, you know, a whatever, 4-3, uh, then, yeah, he's probably got good football speed as well, right? Uh, I can say John Ross from, I think he's from Washington, breaks the record, goes to Cincinnati, and nobody ever really hears of him again, right? So there's football speed and there's track speed. But the big thing about the pro days is, is no, you can't mimic the combine. You can't put those players in bad situations and put them under pressure because they're designed to succeed. But what you can do is see a lot from the drills. And, and to me, that's what I would, like, that's what I would take out of these pro days is taking these guys through the drills taking them th- those guys through nfl style drills and see how they learn number one and see how they perform those drills number two yeah and that's uh we, we discuss this each and every year like what could you do to make it better we there might be some modifications coming it feels like there's momentum for that 
uh, to potentially happen. We'll see if uh, that is the case sometime soon. Or, and, like, what is the value? You know, it's funny. You said, I think uh, maybe it was the cone drill or the shuttle drill. Like, you said, hey, that might be more valuable than the 40 time. And then you just bring up the reference, though, of DK Metcalf, who doesn't run a great shuttle or cone or whatever it was. And then, boom, look what he is. So yeah. <laughs> it really just, it's not an exact science like the rest of it. But it's just funny how we, we do get excited about these 40 times, how much you bench, some of these other things, what you look like throwing the football. Uh, and, and most of it is pretty crafted to, to benefit the player. And, like, and by the way, I don't fault them for that. That's just the system. But you wonder how much longer the system will be in place the way it is, or do we go to some different kind of testing uh, along the way? Uh, Coos, I got the camera back up and running, so it might pop in and out a little bit. We're, we're out here at Oakleaf Plantation. Uh, so some of uh, the, the service area, at least right where I am, is not uh, sometimes keeps clicking on and off. There was a great freeze frame, though, just moments ago, Coos. I don't know if you caught that. I made sure I took a picture of it. It was like I, I was taking a sip of water, and it was like I was taking a sip of water for, like, five minutes straight. <laughs> just chugging it. <laughs> I was chugging. 64 was like, ounces. It's like, have you finished this 12-ounce bottle sure. of water yet? <laughs> for sure, for sure. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, we'll work on the stream a, a little bit. We are out here at uh, Eagle Landing Golf Club, and uh, the, the stream is playing fits on me a little bit. But I think uh, as long as the audio is good, that should be good. You shouldn't be, be looking at me the entire time. Although if you looked at the background, you'd see a beautiful ninth and 18 hole right behind me. Eagle Landing Golf Club, really one of the best-kept uh, secrets in Jacksonville if you love to play golf especially. Great for facilities, uh, hosting large golf outings or small golf groups with a clubhouse that can cater to any food and beverage need or desire. I'm outside on the back patio right now. Clubhouse is uh, right in front of me. They have uh, recently completed some capital projects, fairway bunker rehab, greenside bunker rehab, driving range rehab, cart path and curbing project, extensive landscape, clubhouse improvements, banquet room, outside patio dining. Uh, so uh, come over and check it out, Eagle, Eagle Landing Golf Club. Thanks to uh, Jim Hahn and his staff for having us out. We'll get to talk to him a little bit about what they're doing. They, like everybody else, having record rounds over the last year. They get a ton of play out this way. So I say it's best-kept secret, uh, although people are finding it. And it's tremendous value. So uh, check it out. And you can also find it on our Dream 18 card, Discounted Golf, right here at Eagle Landing Golf Club. Just go to ESPN690.com. Brent Martineau here, Austin Lane, back in the Action Sports Jack Studios. Austin, how much better are the Jags after free agency? Um... Uh, like, uh, I mean, they're better on defense for sure, obviously. Yeah, I mean, they're 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 a better team. Now, that's not to say much because they're coming off of one in 15 year. But uh, I would say astronomically better, especially on that defensive line. So it's hard to do this in, in football especially. Do you think that defense now makes them a couple wins better? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's hard to say because we got to see what this team looks like, like the final product looks like with all these new coaches and Urban Meyer being his first coaching experience. Like, there's a lot that's going to go into this season. If we just go off of paper, yeah, I think they've added realistically right now probably three to four more wins just on the free agency alone. Now, Trevor Lawrence still has to be the guy. I mean, there, there's still a lot of pieces that got to fall into place. But if you're asking me right now, Free agency, how many wins did they add? I'm going to say three or four. Yeah, that's interesting because then if you add Trevor Lawrence and say even in his rookie season he's good for a couple more wins, 
I mean, that could be substantial if you're right. And, and I know again, this is tough to – we're predicting here. But I do feel like the Jags got a lot better depth-wise on defense and also just plug in some holes. Like, I feel so much better about their secondary with the two additions that they made. I feel better uh, in part because they love it so much. But I do feel better with what they did on the defensive front. And I'll tell you this, overall, I still come back to this point, and I don't really think enough people are talking about it. They're going from one of the youngest football teams in the National Football League to a team that is a bit seasoned now. Uh, Still young in spots, but a a team that is seasoned around what will be a young face of the franchise in Trevor Lawrence. I I think that's worth something, Austin. I, I think the fact that they got older, wiser, can handle some adversity, can handle the adjustments, the newness of Urban Meyer, I think that will pay dividends. I don't know how many wins, but I do think it will help them. Yeah, what this comes down to is can Urban Meyer, um, can he bring the culture that he had at Ohio State and Florida, and can that translate to the NFL level? Now, it's going to be different. We already know that. He's not going to have the same college mentality that he's had. He's going to tailor make it for the NFL. The biggest question going forward is can, can that work? Can his philosophies about football, can his coaching style, can that translate to those players in that locker room, number one, and then can that correlate to wins? I think it can, but once again, I'm going to have to see it. I'm, the proof is in the pudding right now, right? And we're, we're not even at the appetizer round yet. So once preseason starts, once training camp starts, we can see a better look of it. I think he can do it, but there's still, still a lot of questions to ask. Yeah, I, I think so, too. Uh, you saw a poll, uh, power poll where the Jaguars were, what, like 30th? in the NFL after free agency? Yeah, Sports Illustrated put out the NFL power rankings. I can bring those up real quick here. Let me look them up. Well, you got to figure they were 32 to begin with, right? They were the worst team in the NFL last year. Yeah, I mean, shout, the Jets. shout out to the Houston Texans for uh, really dropping the ball. <laughs> Are the Texans now number 32? I believe so, yeah. Let me bring those up quick. Sorry, man. I didn't know we're bringing these right now. I got them right here, though. We're good. We're well, good. Don't be sorry. Just uh, I'll talk. you fine. Hey, it's all good. We got them right here. So, yeah, 32 Houston Texans, 31 Cincinnati Bengals, number 30 the Jacksonville Jags. Jaguars, 29 the Raiders, 28 the Detroit Lions, and so on. I mean, do you want me to go through the whole list? No, no, do it okay. again. Do the back 30, five again. 32 Houston Texans, 31 Cincinnati Bengals, 30 Jacksonville Jaguars, 29 Las Vegas Raiders, 28 Detroit Lions, 27 Philadelphia Eagles. Huh, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to argue much about it. Here's, you can't make too much of an argument. I yeah, guess. here's the here's a statement. Urban Meyer made some big moves in free agency, his free agency debut, but doesn't officially have Trevor Lawrence yet. So the Jaguars will exist in power rankings limbo until that happens. In all seriousness, Shaq Griffin was one of the better signings of the period and gives Jacksonville the chance to start building a, a formidable young secondary. Yeah, uh, interesting. I, I saw something uh, with Cincinnati that – uh, I think somebody had a mock, I don't know who, uh, the latest mock draft, that they could get Kyle Pitts. If you're Cincinnati, how crazy would that be to go get Kyle Pitts a weapon for Joe Burrow instead of potentially Penny Sewell for Joe Burrow? Hang on, you're, you're going in and out a little bit here. You're saying what happens if Kyle Pitts goes to Cincinnati? Yes, instead of Penny Sewell, if, that were yeah. the op- if you had the option for both. Yeah, listen... Joe Burrow tore his ACL last year, right? He tore, I think, everything in his leg last year because of your offensive line. Um, I get Kyle Pitts could be the next great tight end, and those are rare. But at the same time, I don't know, what does it say about how you feel about your quarterback 
if you don't address maybe the biggest need right now, even more than tight end on that team. And that's offensive line help, and that's keeping Joe Burrow upright. So I get the risk there for Cincinnati, but if I'm that coaching staff, I'm taking, I'm taking a very long look at offensive line because it doesn't matter if you have Kyle Pitts. If Joe Burrow's not healthy enough to throw him the ball, what does it matter? So I'm probably going to focus more on offensive line. Yeah, I would, I would almost think that's a weird thing, right? I think most people around the NFL, if you got Kyle Pitts, they'd be excited. In Cincinnati, I just saw this in a mock, and I'm like thinking of the scenario. If they got Kyle Pitts, I think they'd almost be disappointed. <laughs> because yeah. so many people are vying for that offensive line and Sewell, who's supposed to be this can't-miss guy, and to protect Joe Burrow, they don't want to see that happen again. That I, I, I would still think they'd be pretty excited about the prospects of that because it's just a sexier pick, you know, uh, rather than an offensive lineman. But I do think there's some genuine nature to that, that Cincinnati fan wants to help Joe Burrow and get better on that offensive line before they do anything else. Yeah, I think it's going to be hard to justify. To, I mean, it's not like the fan base really matters in terms of, you know, general manager decisions. But I think it's going to be hard to justify to fans, to Joe Burrow, to that entire team. If you say, okay, we like Kyle Pitts, he's dynamic, he could be a game changer, but you're not going to address the biggest need on your team in an offensive line. Like it's, it's hard to look Joe Burrow in the face. I think it's hard to look that team in the face. I think they address offensive line. They need to. they got to keep Joe Burrow upright. That's the most important thing right now in Cincinnati. It's not scoring touchdowns. You have a pretty dynamic offense as it is. You got Mixon. T. Higgins looks like he's kind of the next big thing yeah. um, there. You know, Tyler Boyd is one of, the, one of the better slot guys. Just ask my fantasy football team. You lose A.J. Green, but what does that really say? Tight end, yeah, it's probably a need, but not as big as a need as offensive line is. Yeah, so uh, it'll be. Um, I, I just think that's a fascinating discussion point. As I look at the other teams in the NFL, and I'm looking at how much the Jaguars are getting better, because really there was only one way up on this elevator, <laughs> yeah. one way to go on this elevator, and that is up. And uh, so they naturally get a little bit better and improve themselves on defense, especially in free agency. They are naturally going to improve themselves automatically by getting Trevor Lawrence, one would think. And then whatever else they do, you'll feel pretty good about a couple of things, and you'll probably scratch your head about a couple of other things. And then you add Urban Meyer to the mix. I just think about all the teams in the NFL, Austin, from 1 to 32. By the time the season rolls around, if you add in what they've been able to do in free agency, Trevor Lawrence, Urban Meyer, I don't know if there's another team that could have bettered itself anymore. And again, with... The knowledge that there was only one way this elevator was going, and that was up naturally. But it could be a pretty significant step, depending on how much you believe in Urban, how much you believe in Trevor, yeah. and then how much you believe in the draft and the free agency moves. But, it, I mean, it could be a giant step better compared to the last time they were on the field in December. Let me ask you this. According to these power rankings right now, the Jets, who you know were the second-worst team last year, they're at 25 right now um, after free agency. Do you buy that? Yeah, you know what? I'm okay with that. I think the Jets have gotten a lot better. I think the Jets, uh, and still with an unknown at what they're going to do at quarterback, I like Robert Sala a lot. So this is a good example, okay, That to just to make sure I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid, not putting my President of the Sunshine Rainbows hat on down here, I think I like the move that the Jags made with Urban. I like the move that the Jets made with Sala. In fact, I was a big advocate for Sala here in Jacksonville as well. So I think instantaneously they got better at the head coaching position, and I think they're going to start to establish something there in New York because I think Sala's going to be a, a rock star. I really do. We'll hold off on the quarterback because we don't know what the heck they're doing. 
But if you look at what they have done in free agency to get themselves better, where they're going to draft or what capital they'll receive in a trade, who they could get in a trade, maybe a Deshaun Watson type, I think it's significant to say that the Jags, who are 1-15, the Jets, who 2-14, and 14, they did have the only way to go was up, but they both will take significant steps, in my opinion, and maybe two of the bigger steps, even more than anybody else in the NFL, of, of jumping up to that uh, next level of better since the last time they were on the field. For sure. Do you like the Jets and what they've done as much as I do? Yeah. I mean, I think we look at the free agent signings. They addressed a lot of needs. You know how I feel about Corey Davis. Um, yeah, I think overall... I mean, if you're asking me who had the better, you know, free agency, the Jets or the Jaguars, I think it's very comparable. Now, once again, the quarterback position will make all the difference in New York. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's two teams, like you said, that were, you know, the, the, the essentially the dumpster fire of the NFL last year that can really make some momentum now coming to this new season. Who else could even be in the conversation, man? I'm trying to think of a team that's maybe middle of the pack that could then get there, like the Giants. Do you feel like the Giants did a lot of things, right? They went and got Galladay. Uh, they signed Leonard Williams. Is they? Is, who uh, else did they add? Uh, let's see here. Yeah, they, they mentioned Galladay. Uh, they got Kyle Rudolph. I'm not sure why they're bringing that up. Uh, they got Kyle Rudolph and Kenny Galladay. Were the big signings supposedly? Oh, they got Rudolph too. Well, they got yeah. Leonard Williams. They signed him well, to Leonard Williams. A, a deal. I thought there was a third player that they added as well, other than Kyle Rudolph. But maybe, um, maybe that's not the case. How about a team like Washington? Could they go from a team that, quite frankly, didn't have a record that probably should have made the playoffs, but ends up winning the NFC East, add to a defense that's already good? Can they add enough offensively between free agency, the draft, and make that next step? So you, you see where I'm going with it. Like, it doesn't have to be a bottom feeder team. It doesn't have to be a one-win team that makes the biggest leap. Yeah. I think you could make the case a team like the Giants, potentially, if Daniel Jones hits, a team like... Uh, Washington, a team like Arizona, you know, if J.J. Watt works out, uh, if A.J. Green works out, if, who else did they sign? Did they sign a center? Was it Alex Mack or something? Yeah, yeah. So if those moves work out, maybe they're the ones that take uh, that big leap. So there are other teams in this conversation, not just the Jets. I think if we're talking about the team that can possibly make the biggest leap, and I seem to do this every single year, and I'm just dumb and a glutton for punishment appears, but I think the Minnesota Vikings could take a step forward for the simple reason where if they don't play defense this year, I think Mike, Mike Zimmer might actually punch somebody like on that team. And, 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 and he might get, like, obviously thrown out of the league because there's no way a Mike Zimmer coach team is going to be that bad on defense a second year in a row. Like, the, 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 one, two things going to happen. He's going to lose his mind, he's going to walk away, or he's getting the job done. But I have a hard time saying, like, the Minnesota Vikings are going to be one of the worst teams on defense again this up-and-coming season. So if you include that with a guy like the emergence of Justin Jefferson, you still have Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, if he can stay healthy. And, you know, the the up-and-down, the trials and tribulations of the, the Kirk Cousins story, I think if you put all those pieces into play from where they finished last year, I think that they can probably make some momentum going into this season. 
Yeah, you know, here's here's where it's interesting in this conversation. What you want to say is like, well, look at every team sign this guy and this guy and this guy, and look how much better they got. Well, it's harder for the teams that are already at the top to get even better, right? Yeah. What does Kansas City have to do to get better? I think they, they looked like, uh-oh, with the tackles being gone, and then they make some acquisitions like, oh, okay, that's pretty nice. Uh, I think that's a good recovery. So uh, there are ways to go, and they're probably going to be good, but are they going to be better? Uh, that's debatable. I think a team like the Patriots is really interesting here. Because what people are going to say is, hey, the Patriots went out and spent a lot of money. They got these two tight ends. They got this guy, this guy, this guy. They're going to be way better. I'm not sure that's the case, Austin. They went 7-9 and nine last year. How much better are they going to be record-wise in 2021 with Cam Newton as of now as their quarterback? I'm not convinced they're going to be that much better. So right now the Patriots are at number 9 in the power rankings, which is a little surprising. Um, what number? 9. My and, gosh, and the pedigree. Mets, yeah. And then the SI bu- likes pedigree. Yeah, and then the Vikings are 21, which is, I, think, I don't know, I guess 21 is fine for the Vikings, but they did get Delvin Thomason, who I would say I was a big fan of. They also got Patrick Peterson as well. So their defense on paper looks a lot better than did last year already. I think with the Patriots, it comes down to quarterback. Is there a plan in place? Do they plan on rolling out Cam Newton? I have a hard time believing that. I feel like Bill Belichick just got another ace up his sleeve here because to sit here and say you're going to get John New Smith on, and Hunter Henry and have Cam Newton throwing the ball. Cam Newton showed us last year what he's capable of. Okay, I had June Edelman in fantasy for about five weeks till I cut him because it was horrible. <laughs> so I just it always comes down to the quarterback position. If there's a plan in place, then, yeah, I'm still a believer of the Patriots. How can I not be? Because it's Bill Belichick. OK, say what you want about him. The, the guy finds ways to win uh, with, a, a, you know, a, a roster that's less talented than this one probably right now. But it comes down to the quarterback position. I think if Cam Newton's going to be slated to be the, the starter again, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm off the Cam Newton bandwagon. I'm not really a believer anymore of him being a legit starting quarterback in the NFL from what I saw last season. Now, maybe the guy proves me wrong. Maybe he's got some stuff left in the tank. I'm just saying the brand of football that I saw last year from the Patriots quarterback, it just wasn't that good. It's the beauty of every sport, really, in the offseason. Most people believe they got better in the offseason. Most. Not all the time, but most. And then we get to the real season and we figure out who was right and who was wrong. Jaguars have been on the short end of that stick many a times over the last dozen years. Hopefully this year will be different. We are live at Eagle Landing Golf Club, one of the best-kept secrets here in Jacksonville. Come on out, Oakleaf Plantation, play some golf. What an awesome golf course. Greens were rolling fantastic. You can get a discount with the Dream 18 card. All you got to do is purchase it on ESPN690.com. Get ready. Shock your mock season rolls on. Are you ready, Austin Lane? Born ready. All right, we'll do it when we come back. Shock your mock next on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. How many push-ups did you do in three minutes? Did you try the challenge? Austin Lane. I don't need lactic acid build up when I'm in fight camp. Brent, you kidding me? Take my word for it. I've been more than you. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. I'm taking Zach Wilson. Um, I'm moving on from Sam Darnold, and candidly, I don't think it's a hard decision. If we had Sean McDermott on this call with us, and he was looking at it as a defensive coach. He would tell us it's a lot harder to defend somebody like Zach Wilson than Sam Darnold. And, um, look, Sam Darnold's done some good things. I think he's been in a really hard situation. I think he would benefit from a fresh start. But I think, to me, the better football player is Zach Wilson. I think that's Mike Tannenbaum, who we had on a couple of weeks ago here on the show. Yep. Called me a high-character guy. He did. He did. After, after I got arrested <laughs> twice right before that's the... Good. I was going to say... No wonder why he's an analyst. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe that Eau Claire Police Department kept things under wraps, but I doubt it. 
all I'm going to say about it. How much did you have to pay? Uh, a lot of tears, Brent. I paid in tears. To say. How much do you think goes unfound Oof. in that regard? Like in little, it's hard. Oh, little no, small town man. Texas it's... that some guy had a DUI or some guy had yeah, a yeah. fight in a bar or, or whatever it might be, but, so, but the teams never find it. No, if teams want to know, teams are going to find out. Um I think I've shared this story before when we first started the show, might have been. And I'm not going to diverge this player's name just because, I mean, you, you know, it, it just it's not right. But I will say a guy that I trained with um, in my combine preparation, uh, he, he uh, I'm not going to say even where he was from or anything like that, but he uh, his situation was he was a primetime talent, but he had some off-the-field issues, okay? Um, okay, in high school and also in college. Well, where we were training at in uh, Pensacola, they had private investigators that would go to like restaurants that we ate at because we all, you know, we all hung out, like, hung out together. They would go to restaurants where he ate at and ask him like what he was like to the waitresses and things like that. Like they're, they're like kind of tailing us, if you will, really? um, just to find out about this guy. Yeah, and the reason why we know that was because we went to this restaurant. Um, and they're like, hey, you know, there's this guy who was looking, like, talking about you. And you were like, what do you, t- you know, what do you mean? And he brought the, the player's name. It's like, oh, yeah, that's just, uh, that's just some PI, some, some team send to try to do their due diligence on me a little bit. So, like, wow. teams will, I mean, if they're going to invest in you, they're going to do their due diligence, um, come hell or high water and find out everything about you. Now, listen, did you think overall your time with that guy that he was he would be a good NFL guy, good teammate, good, or did you see any red flags? Like if you were no, just by I'll, your time hanging around. So, so, so I'll be honest. Uh, and once again, I mean, I can tell you who he was off there, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, throw his best yeah, out yeah, there like no, that. Yeah, I would. Do that, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'll be honest. I, I was surprised of the past that he came from because to me, he was actually a real cool, even-headed type of dude, um, and just a real hard worker. Didn't really say that much. I guess he, he kind of just came from a, a rough upbringing and hanging on to kind of like the wrong crowd or a little bit, and that's still on him, right? You, you, you're only as good as the people that you surround yourself with. Um, so he got into trouble, maybe some of the, the people that he hung out with or whatever, but I will say in the NFL, I don't recall seeing any problems with him, and he actually had a pretty long career, if I'm not mistaken. Now, don't quote me on that, but I think when it's all said and done, I mean, he might have played six or seven years, so he actually had a pretty good NFL career. And in, in, up until those final uh, tidbits of information that you gave us, I was really thinking this was Tebow you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, all those kids that you met at uh, Bible camp or whatever, uh, some real rough around that just had to pass. <laughs> Private investigators. Private investigator. Uh, huh? Hey, you know, it's an interesting thing, though. I understand what you're saying. People are going to go to the nth degree to figure it out. And try to get it right. Yeah. But then there are situations that you ask yourself, why didn't they check into that? Did they just ignore that? But they did check into that. And there, and, and Justin Blackman again comes to mind. There yeah. has been criticism of the Jags in in hindsight, where you could have seen this coming from Justin Blackman if you just poked around a little bit where he had been. Uh, how true that is, I don't know. But that has been the thought uh, by some. That if they had done a little more homework, they would have seen this potential. Yeah. And you still run risks, and sometimes you get it right, sometimes you don't. But for everyone that does do it, there are some that don't do it enough, and and, and they make the wrong choice, and they they make a bad pick, and you maybe could have seen it coming down the road if you did a little more homework. See, no, I, I definitely agree with it. You know, I think when it comes to evaluating talent. Sometimes people underestimate 
um, just how powerful an addiction or just you know how against the norm some of these players can be. I'm reminded of Isaiah Wilson. All right. Yeah. Um, that's kind of like the latest study right now. They try to do everything in their power to help Isaiah Wilson. I mean, there's reports coming out that like every guy in that locker room in Tennessee and then in, in Miami reached out to him and said, hey, man, you know, come hang out. We'll get you some help. And he didn't want it. Right. And I'm reminded of Justin Blackman. I remember when we had Cecil Shorts on the show and, and, you know, Cecil was a guy that could probably allude to it more than I could. But I was the guy that would go out Justin Blackman at the beach bars on the weekend, you know, and, and drink beer and do shots because, you know, that's the kind of life I came from. Not, not, not to the extent of Justin Blackman, but even I remember, you know, when I think he got suspended for the second time. And I think it might have been like when he it was a DUI or whatever the case may be. And I remember I saw, you know, I saw Justin back out at the beach bars. And I'm like, dude, you come on, man. Like, what, what are you doing? You know, and I'm not the only guy that had that conversation with him. But at the end of the day, those conversations with your teammates can only get you so far. Like, yeah, I always preach family in the locker room and brotherhood. But like I've said, you're only as good as the circle that you surround yourself with. And Isaiah Wilson's circle and I think Justin Blackman's circle – they did him a disservice because those guys can maybe get through to him, right? Like sometimes teammates can and sometimes teammates can't, right? It's about who you grew up with. It's about who you put your trust in. So if I'm in Isaiah Wilson's circle right now, and who who says he gets another chance? Because he, he may be done. Like you, he might be. You may have, and I'm not worried about the Isaiah Wilson, the football player anymore. I'm worried about Isaiah Wilson, the human being, a member of society, you know, getting help because obviously there's a problem right now. That's where the people that you surround yourself with have to come to your help. You know, that you can't surround yourself with yes men all the time. And, and like, that's why I saw my friends that I grew up with because, uh, you know, are, are they going to sugarcoat things? No. If I'm doing something wrong, they'll be the first ones to tell me about it, no matter how much it makes me angry. Like, they're, they're going to tell it how it is. And I think that's the problem that Justin Blackman had a little bit. And that's the problem with Isaiah Wilson right now is you can't surround yourself with people um, that don't appreciate you for you. They, they see the football player and all this stuff, and, the, and they're almost like an entourage, and they want to take a ride. They want to buy a ticket, and they want to take the ride. But what happens when that ride gets off? Who's still going to be there for you? Who's really going to care about you? That's what Isaiah Wilson, in my opinion, has to figure out right now. Yeah, and it's really interesting, Austin, because, listen, if, if something happens to me, uh, I'm sure my friends would be like, man, sorry, let's help you through and stuff. But uh, CMG will have no problem being like, yeah, we'll find another bread. That's no problem. Uh, <laughs> these guys... Isaiah Wilson has a skill set, a body type. They want to give him more chances. Yeah. They want him to work out. They had an investment in him. They don't want to cut him. They don't want to see him go bad uh, for their own selfish reasons. And so it really shows you how deep the problems are sometimes when guys don't make it because you know they're getting as many chances as possible to make it work. I think the NFL's built that way. I think college can sometimes be like that. And by the way, not all for the wrong reasons. You don't want to give up on people sometimes. No, And, no. and the, the better situation is in the situation they're at to help them. And so it's a fascinating part of the process and one that's so unpredictable uh, in, a, in the midst of being an already unpredictable business. You know, it, it, it just sucks, right? And obviously, like, I, you know, I, I, I cracked the joke yesterday at South Beach Gary, and, and maybe I shouldn't have did that about Isaiah Wilson. But, I mean, it, it is a serious thing because we're not talking about – and you know how I feel about – domestic violence and stuff like that. I think if you do that, then then you're done. But we're not talking about that, at least I think from Isaiah Wilson's perspective. We're talking about a guy who, who goes out partying, um, who gets DUIs and things like that, who just lives a party lifestyle. 
And I understand that, but like it's not like people want to be quick to judge and say, "Oh, this guy's a he's a burnout. He's a, he's he's stupid." Like, no, I think there's actually deep seated issues here. I think there's an oh, addiction yeah. issue. I, I really do. Because you mean to tell me this guy's willing to throw away millions and millions and millions of dollars just so he can go out to the to the bars and, and celebrate every single night? Like th- that's that doesn't make any sense. And the same thing with Justin Blackman. You think Justin Blackman wanted to throw all his talent away and, and, and all that you know signing bonus money that he had? You think he wanted to throw that away over a couple drinks at the Jack's Beach bars? Probably not. So there's deeper seated issues there. So like I feel like instead of making fun of these people, you got to do your best to try to help these people out. But you, I guess, you can only help people so much, you know. Yeah, that's true. You can only help so much, and, and they got to want to be helped at some point in time. You know, I've been fortunate in my life. I haven't had a lot of that, uh, to, at least close to me, right, addiction-wise or yeah. anything. And so I haven't seen it up close. But I will tell you, and I'm being real here, the Justin Blackman thing put things in perspective for me. You're talking about a guy who was really talented, in my opinion. I thought he was going to be a heck of a receiver in the NFL. I mean, just the, the hands. The game, the, the everything, uh, the production when he was out there. Mm-hmm. And to see him at such a young age, given chances, given opportunities, want to be helped, but not want to seek the help or get the help or turn it around. And to give up on, heck, forget about football, but $10 million essentially because of his addiction. It really put it in perspective. Maybe like nothing else in my life that I've seen. I mean, he really is like, to me, the poster child to that, because I saw up close the talent and what he was throwing away. And to be honest with you, every time I talked to him, man, he was a he was a good dude. Like he oh, wasn't he was awesome. a bad guy. No, no. And, but he had some big time issues, and it really, uh, uh, Jan, I'm just talking for myself. Everybody's got their own situations and something that opens their eyes. It opened my eyes to like addiction. Yeah. From like, how bad can it be, or does it have to be to give up on this? We you know. Yeah. And even if you don't love the game, and there was some talk that that's still. Everybody loves $10 million, man. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Everybody loves $10 million. And uh, it just uh, it really put it in perspective for me that, that these guys do have real issues, and, and, and addiction is a real, real, real issue. And, and, yeah, and this is really probably the biggest it's, – it's probably the hardest part of the evaluation process when we talk about college guys transitioning to the NFL. Because if you saw Justin Blackman in college – yeah, I mean, duh, first-round pick all day. If you saw Justin Blackman in NFL practice like Cecil Schwartz, I mean, the, the, like, yeah, he was great in games, but that guy would do things in practice that honestly, like, and, and keep in mind, I play with Kelvin Johnson, very comparable to Kelvin Johnson. The type of catches, just the type of things that he could bring to the table on that practice field, it was unreal. And some of those things translated to the game. But I'm still convinced that you only saw a fraction of what he was capable of in the game. Like, he didn't get to show everything because he was still so young. But the hardest thing from coming from the college game to the pro game is the mindset of the guy coming in. Sure, you can see the 40-yard dash time. Sure, you can sit and know these interviews and get their, you know, how do they feel about their, their, their schemes? How do they learn all this stuff? But it is so hard to take a kid coming out of college, and if it's a big-name college, so be it, where they've essentially had everything done for them. And then you throw them in a mix in the NFL where now all of a sudden you're living on your own, it's the real world, and now all of a sudden you have to go to class anymore, and it's just football. Oh, and by the way, here's millions and millions and millions of dollars. Good luck with that. It's hard to to gauge how a player is going to respond to that. And by the way, probably the most pressure you're ever going to feel in your entire life. Yeah, it's so hard to gauge that. You, there's no question that you can really ask. Sure, you can talk to people and do the interviews and all that stuff, but even still, then you can't gauge it, right? 
and, and, and that's really the hardest thing out of the evaluation process, and it's the hardest thing for GMs and coaches because every GM and coach thinks we can bring this guy in, he's going to fit the culture, our culture is going to embrace him, and he's going to be an all-pro, a Pro Bowl player for years to come. Okay, in a perfect world, for sure. But sometimes you got guys like Isaiah Wilson. Sometimes you got guys like Justin Blackman where no matter how talented they are, no matter what they look like on paper and maybe even in an interview, you don't know how they're going to respond when they get to the NFL in terms of pressure and in terms of just being in the spotlight. And everybody wants to sign up for the opportunity, Austin, uh, to, to have the millions, to play on the big time. But not everybody would handle it as well as they think. That's that's the thing I always and and you just don't know what each individual person dealing with on the side um, that they can't handle, uh, but they want to be tough enough to try to handle. Sure. And so uh, it's again the the Blackman situation is unlike anything really I've covered in my career and not growing up around uh, anybody. Thankfully, knock on wood, uh, with addiction uh, at least super close to me. I mean that was something that really did open my eyes to it. Uh, and I think it's just a hard thing for you've got to do your homework though. And some people will say. Gene Smith and others, if they did more homework, they could have seen this coming uh, because it sets you back, you know, from a selfish franchise perspective. It really sets you back. All right, let's get to Shock Your Mock. Uh, we don't ask you to do the the uh, to the character evaluations of your Shock Your Mock uh, draft, but let's get to it. Did you pick one out? Oh, uh, yeah, we have one out. And Kuz, just go ahead and tell me when the thing's up because we, we got to start Shock Your Mock today, and I have to release a statement here, okay? <laughs> Um, there's gonna be uh, there's gonna be a statement coming out. So Kuz, you got that up right now? He is none oh, other bad, yeah. than the Shock Master. Gonna shock yo mock. We're gonna shock yo mock. Brutality, don't you think? Shocking. Gonna shock yo mock. We're gonna shock. Shocking upset. I feel shocked. Shock, yo, Mark. We're gonna shock, yo, Mark. I am shocked. I mean, I am shocked. That's what I mean. I am. Oof. Wow, are you headbanging over there? Oh yeah, obviously, man. <laughs> hey, by the way, hey, hey, Garage Band on iTunes. Can you give me a double kick drum, please? Can you give me a double bass? <laughs> Couldn't find one. I love that you put that together, man. I'm oh, proud yeah. of you. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. Please tell that to my wife because she was not impressed, <laughs> I'm going to say. Spent about a couple hours doing that, but it is so what it is. So you're issuing a statement already in day two? Yeah. Kuz, is it up there? I don't see it quite. I know there's a little delay. All right. He's putting the thumbs up here. It's, it's about to come up in a second. Um, oh, by the way, Brent, did you? we got one guy guess what one of those quotes are from. It's from Dodgeball. Correct, sir. Very oh, good. I wouldn't have got diesel. that. Do you know the other quotes that they're from? There's two other quotes in there. I tried to listen a little closer that time, and nothing stood out. So right, let's, well, we'll, we'll continue we'll, to keep, keep that we'll, game going. We'll put it all together all week. All right, so what we got here today is Duval Defender. Uh, and obviously three U's in that, so you know what that means. It's going to be 904 Defender coming up here uh, in the next <laughs> year or so because Urban Meyer is going to put an end to Duval Defender. But you know what, Brent? I don't even feel bad about it. He prefaces by saying this. At ESPN 690, hashtag shock your mock, at HA92, at Brent AS Jax. Don't hurt me. I got pits and a QB2. Jets offered too much to pass up. Okay. Okay, so from the get-go, and Brent, you're not here to really rein me in today, so I'm just going to let it fly, but I'll be honest. This guy does obviously not listen to the show because what was the one rule about shock your mock? 
What was the one rule, Trevor Lawrence, okay. number one. Man. Okay. Okay. I, mean, I feel bad year, for Duval Defender already. Every single year, I have one rule in Shocky Mock. Last year was don't say Grant Delpit, okay? And what, what people do? Oh, Grant Delpit. Hey, by the way, how, how, how's Grant Delpit doing in the NFL? <laughs> yeah. uh, was it wasn't a great year. W- was I wrong, Brent? No. Okay, so there Stay we go. Stay away from Delpit. So there we go. Okay, so with that being said, let's go ahead and break this down real quick. Uh, you, you, you see pick number two? I'm going to say that for last, okay? Let's just keep on going down the, the list here, though. So Kyle Pitts, number 11, Brent. Ooh, Kyle Pitts. You know how I feel about Kyle Pitts. Uh, I'm a Kyle Pitts believer. Um, uh, imagine the endorsements with Speed Sticker or uh, Old Spice <laughs> that you could do. I mean, it just writes itself. Kyle Pitts, yeah, I like that number 11. Could you trade it up? So be it. Uh, Kadarius Tony, number 33. I mean, Brent, Kadarius Tony in the second round. If he, Once again, if he falls there, we'll see what happens. Uh, then we got Jason Owe, uh, Owe sorry, uh, edge guy out of Penn State. Penn State, I, yeah. I, I like him in a 3-4 defense. I talked about him today a little bit. We're, we're, we're doing good right now, okay? We're, we're doing very, very good. We got Michael Carter, North Carolina. You know, um, I'm not mad at this pick. I think he can be an explosive guy. UNC had a, a very explosive offense this year. I'm not mad at Michael Carter. Deontay Smith, East Carolina offense tackle. Like, if we break this down, not the top pick, but everything else from top to bottom, a lot of things get addressed here, right? We got Richie Grant, who we saw yesterday a little bit, probably the third or fourth best safety on the board. You get him number 45. I'm not mad at that. You address the edge. You got Kyle Pitts. You got Kadarius Toney. There's a lot of things to like about this mock draft here from 904 Defender. But now let's address the situation at hand, okay? And I had to do this today, Brent, because I had to make an example, okay? Um, I'm like... Darth Vader, I guess. Have you seen Star Wars, Brent? You familiar with Star Wars a little bit? So, <laughs> I have heard of Darth Vader. Okay, so 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 you know you know in Star Wars when Darth Vader had to blow up that planet Elderon because he had to make an example of him. That's I, what yeah, you do yeah. gotta do that sometimes. Yeah, sometimes you gotta blow up planets, all right? And I am Darth Vader without the you know the deep seated issues of his father. I mean, I'm 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 good. I, I talked to my dad, so we're all good there. So I am not. I mean, I'm Darth Vader in the sense that I'm ruthless. Okay, and let's make one thing clear right now. This is not. Uh, a democracy. This is a dictatorship. Okay, and, and I'm running the show. Brent's not in the studio. Brent is at the golf course. So what I say goes right now. And when we talk about what goes right now, you mean to tell me Duval Defender? And I get it, Kyle Pitts, get it, Tony. Okay, that's great. But you mean to tell me that we had to go through this year of suffering for Zach Wilson at number two? Okay, we had to go through a one-win season for Zach Wilson at number two. No, sir. And I don't care if Zach Wilson's the next reincarnation of Deshaun Watson. Now, not really comparable in terms of size and stature and playing ability, but I'm just saying if he's going to be Deshaun Watson, well, we may have a Patrick Mahomes right here. And give me Patrick Mahomes all day with Trevor Lawrence. I could have swore I stated. I don't want to see any kind of Zach Wilson nonsense. So let's go deeper now. Because I actually clicked on this guy's profile, Brent, because this could be a New York Jets sleeper agent. Okay? Oh, yeah. We are to that point right now. Now, he says it. And so I'm on his Twitter profile right now. Says that he loves the Jaguars. Okay? So, I mean, but, you know, once again, what does that really mean? Um, says he loves Georgia. Okay? Fits the mold. Says that he loves the Green Bay Packers, which is a little bit of a miscue. And then he says that he loves the UFC. So now he's an ultimate fighting oh. championship fan. Yeesh. So that, that kind of hurts a little bit. I feel like you're going to have a beer with this guy. But at the end of the day, no, because here's what is happening. And shout out to 
Duval Defender for putting where you conducted this mock draft at. This was done at pfnmockdraftsimulator.com. So now it's my mission to get this website shut down along with that Matt <laughs> Miller guy who said Zach Wilson's going to be better than Trevor Lawrence. I'm shutting them both down because any draft website that okays you to trade Trevor Lawrence away for Zach Wilson deserves to be shut down. Okay, so with that being said, Duval Defender and Brent, once again, I'm running the show today, not you. I'm the captain now. You don't get a T-shirt. Okay, we shouldn't even call this show Shock Your Mock. What we should call this show is if you mention Trevor Lawrence's name, you get a T-shirt. Okay, but guess what? You didn't mention Trevor Lawrence's name, so now you don't get a T-shirt. We are literally just giving out T-shirts. And now I know Brent paid for them, and that's fantastic. But if you listen to our show, you know this much. He's got 11 endorsements for every single break. Brent Martineau's doing just fine. Don't worry about the money. He's got a backyard fireplace. It is what it is. But you're going to be the only guy in town because you wanted to be different, because you wanted to be a rebel and say, forget Trevor Lawrence, let's get Zach Wilson. So guess what? Making show history, and once again, we anticipated every single day giving out a T-shirt. I don't care if you mention, you know, a safety going in the top. I don't care what the thing may be. The only stipulation was is that you cannot mention Zach Wilson over Trevor Lawrence. You did. You don't get a T-shirt. You're going to be the only person in this city that doesn't have a Shock Your Mock T-shirt. And when you go to the games and they ask you, hey, man, where's your Shock the Mock T-shirt? You, you, you can tell them. You can tell them and you, you can say, you know what, I wanted Zach Wilson more than Trevor Lawrence. Go ahead and tell him. This has been Shock Your Mock. I'm done, Coos. Get this out of my face. Duval Defender, thanks for the follow. Hopefully you listen to the, the UFC coverage that I do sometimes on the show. But as far as Zach Wilson's <laughs> concerned, no siree. Not your today, mock. Not never. But your mock thanks for your has support. been shocked. But, but thank you for your support, though. I appreciate it a lot. <laughs> yeah, your mock but has been shocked. But you without not a t-shirt. t-shirt. You're not gonna, no, Brett, I'm sitting right now. No t-shirts today, Brett. Okay. I thought no I thought t-shirts. you were gonna lose it because there were two Gators on there. Well, I mean that too. Like that's aggressive as well. But no, you mentioned Zach Wilson. You don't get a T-shirt. So now this game's called you don't get a T-shirt. Congratulations. Hey, Coos, uh, go get Austin a beer or something like that. He did something to cool down a little. We'll take a break. We come back. Football <laughs> I am at five. Sweating right now. <laughs> hey, there's a shot of whatever you want on that back window area. That's a good point. <laughs> Take whatever you need. Where's the Vita de Luis, man? Yeah, Vita de Luis. We got happy hour horn coming up. That's right. It's on the way. We're live at Eagle Landing. I'm sorry, Duval Defender. I didn't see that one coming. But you made your own bet. Why are you apologizing, Brent? Hey. Brent, you've been in Trevor Lawrence's hometown. What are you talking about? You're apologizing for him right now. Where does Zach Wilson even live? Let's go fight this guy. Don't apologize. We'll be back on ESPN 690.